The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Hello, I am your host, Leah Brenda Smith, and welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio broadcast on Voice America Variety and simultaneously with the folks at Project Freedom Radio Network. And a heartfelt, heartfelt happy Valentine's Day to anybody that's tuning in today live or in the archives later today, and then a belated happy Valentine's to anyone tuning into the archives later. It seemed a good day to speak about heart health. And unfortunate but true, anyone can suddenly develop heart issues related to their health, related to their heart. Even without a history of heart disease in the family and sometimes without warning. There is so much evidence that if we reduce blood pressure, cholesterol, blood sugar, excess weight, reduce stress, and give up smoking, that these are all extremely beneficial to your heart health. Changing your lifestyle, even if you just focused on one of these areas, would have a really positive effect on your heart. However, to maintain and sustain heart health into your golden years... An ongoing goal, you know, set yourself a goal to make these lifestyle changes, changes in all of these areas. And on today's show, I'm going to share with you some important steps that you can take to protect protect your heart and increase your overall heart health. So let's start at the beginning with some information from uh, Franklin Institute about the development of the heart. I found this information so fascinating because I wasn't aware of it before. A human being's heart is about the size of a human being's fist. And maybe that part is more common knowledge. But as the body develops, the heart grows at the same rate as the fist. So an infant's heart and fist are about the same size at birth. But in the womb... That similarity is not always true. During the first few weeks of conception, the fetal heart occupies most of of the fetus's midsection. The heart size to body ratio is nine times greater 
in the fetus than in the infant. And during those first few weeks, the fetal heart is higher up in the chest. And then later it moves down to occupy its position in the chest cavity. You know, there are several phases of the fetal heart's development. At first, the heart is just more shaped like a tube. It grows so fast that it needs more space. So it bends and it twists back, forming the familiar shape that it has when it's completely formed. Now, during the next phase, the two artera are partly separated, but they're just one big ventricle. And then in the next phase, when the two atria are completely separate and the ventricles are just beginning to separate, and then finally the ventricles separate completely and the heart is developed. I find that fascinating. Now, during the fetal heart's development stage, the heart actually takes on several distinct appearances. These heart structures resemble other animals' hearts during the first phase. The tube-like heart's much like a fish heart. And in the second phase, when the two chambers are coming together, that resembles a frog's heart. And the three-chambered phase is similar to a snake or a turtle. And then the final four-chambered heart structure distinguishes the human heart from these other species. The heart, like other body parts, needs oxygen in order to grow and develop properly. And during childhood, the body's years of rapid growth, the need for oxygen is really the greatest And the heart's rate of pumping oxygen-rich blood is fastest in infancy, about 120 beats per minute. And as the child grows, then the heart rate slows. And it stabilizes to about 70 beats per minute. And by adulthood, the heart is fully developed. And throughout life, the heart needs only to to be maintained and kept healthy in order to function. So if you take care of your heart, you could do that by following heart-healthy suggestions that we're going to offer today or other things that you know already about the heart, or do your own research to make sure that you're doing the best that you can do for you. And if we do these things, then you know your heart will have the best opportunity to take care of you for the rest of your life. And the Franklin Institute reports that a heart attack is often sudden. However, the causes of the heart attack are not. Really, years of unhealthy habits can suddenly and unexpectedly catch up with you anywhere and at any time. Now, technically, a heart attack occurs when the supply of nutrient-rich blood to the heart muscle is reduced or stopped. And if the blood supply is shut down for a long time, muscle cells die from a lack of oxygen. And if enough cells die, then the person might also die. Fortunately, often 
Only a small part of the heart muscle is deprived of oxygen, which accounts for the numbers of people who recover after a heart episode. You know, there are many possible reasons why the blood supply reduces or stops. And one of the most common is something referred to as arteriosclerosis, a disease which affects the arteries. So if blood is unable to flow through the blood vessels, then it cannot nourish the body and the heart. And if you're wondering about ways to predict a heart attack, be aware of any indication of angina or chest pain, as this is really the most common, most common warning sign of a possible heart attack. Any chest pain should be taken seriously and investigated. Now, anyone that's ex had any experience with this knows that heart attacks are frightening for both the victim and for the victim's loved ones. And it's wise to learn the best ways to help a heart attack victim. So if you're with someone who seems to be having a heart attack, it's really imperative that you act immediately. And you can expect some denial. It's normal for someone with chest pain to deny that it could be a heart attack. But don't take no for an answer. Insist on taking proper action. Call an emergency service or get to the nearest hospital. And if it's necessary, you should give CPR if you're properly trained. Knowing the common warning signs can be very helpful. So uncomfortable pressure, fullness, squeezing, or pain in the center of the chest that lasts more than a few minutes, or it might sometimes uh, go away and then come back again. Could be pain that spreads to the shoulders, the neck, or the arms. Chest discomfort accompanied by a lightheadedness, fainting, sweating, nausea, or shortness of breath. Now, many heart attacks cause completely different sensations. And the signs listed here are common, but by no means are they the only possible indications of a heart attack in progress. So if you have chest discomfort, call an emergency service or have someone drive you to the nearest hospital. Please don't drive yourself. You know, there's some startling statistics about heart disease, and I'm going to share with you some that were gathered by Maria Perno Goldie. And she says that an estimated 17 million people, 17 million people, die of cardiovascular disease globally. Not just one year, every year. And that amounts to approximately one-third of all deaths worldwide. One-third of all deaths worldwide are related in some way to heart disease. Cardiovascular disease is among the top three diseases worldwide in both men and women. 
and the World Health Organization estimates that coronary heart disease will likely increase by 43% globally during the 20 years from 1990 to 2020. It's staggering. Many organizations are on the forefront with various types of initiatives and campaigns with the exclusive purpose of preventing heart disease. You know, in an attempt to urge Americans to join the battle against these, these diseases, the U.S. Congress requires the president to proclaim February as American Heart Month. And this important initiative focused on It's focused on increasing access to awareness of heart-related illnesses. And it started in 1963 and was initially led by the American Heart Association. And there's a program called Go Red for Women, also led by the American Heart Association, to bring attention to heart disease in women. So National Wear Red Day was Friday, February 1st, but it could be any day that you plan to host an event. And this year marked the 10th anniversary of the program. So since the beginning of that program 10 years ago, 21% fewer women are dying from heart disease annually. And 23% more women are aware that heart disease is the number one health threat to them. You know, I was surprised to learn that more women die of cardiovascular disease than the combined number of deaths from four of the next most prevalent illnesses, including all forms of cancer. Just really stresses the importance of our heart health. And the good news, here's the good news, 80% of cardiac events in women can be prevented. If women made wise choices for their hearts involving diet, exercise, abstinence from smoking, you know, clearly it's important to learn about and adopt lifestyle changes to increase and maintain your heart health, which will prevent heart attacks, strokes, and other kinds of cardiovascular concerns. So I encourage you to adopt that old saying, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Adopt that as one of your personal philosophies and practices in matters of the heart, heart health, and overall health and well-being. You know, in contrast to other, there's another old adage, right, that says, uh, it will get better on its own. Now, this clearly is not worth the risk when it comes to your heart. Be preventative and be vigilant. Here's a list of signs of a heart attack in women. Uncomfortable pressure, squeezing fullness or pain in the center of your chest that lasts more than a few minutes or goes away and comes back. Pain or discomfort in one or both arms, the back, the neck, the jaw, or the stomach. Shortness of breath with or without chest discomfort. 
And there's other signs such as breaking out in a cold sweat, nausea, or lightheartedness. Excuse me, light, lightheadedness. Lightheartedness is when you're feeling all lined up and just right. <laughs> but the same with men. Women's most common heart attack symptom is that chest pain or discomfort. Yet women are somewhat more likely than men to experience some of the other symptoms, particularly shortness of breath, nausea, vomiting, and that back or jaw pain. So if you are having these signs, don't wait more than five minutes before calling for help or get someone to take you to the hospital. It's imperative that you get medical help as soon as you can when you're dealing with issues with the heart. I think it's also prudent, you know, to know the signs of a stroke or TIAs, those uh, transient ischemic attacks, also known as mini-strokes. So these signs are sudden numbness or weakness of the face, arm or leg, especially on one side of the body. Sudden confusion or trouble speaking or understanding. Sudden trouble seeing in one or both of your eyes. Sudden trouble walking, dizziness, loss of balance or coordination. And sudden severe headache with no known cause. It's good to know those symptoms, signs and symptoms, warning symptoms of heart attack and stroke so you can get help immediately. Now, the National Institute of Health, it has comprehensive information about how to prevent heart disease. And starting with lowering your blood pressure, you know, high blood pressure is also known as hypertension. And there's no ideal, per se, blood pressure reading, but there is a range of normal. So generally, a reading that is less than 120 over 80 indicates that you don't need to worry. But if either or both numbers are equal to or greater than 130 or over 90 for an extended period of time, then you do have high blood pressure or hypertension. And hypertension is dangerous because it causes the heart to work extra hard. And this strain contributes to heart attack and strokes. So when the heart is forced to work over time, for an extended period of time, it tends to enlarge. And a slightly enlarged heart can function well but a significantly enlarged heart cannot. And high blood pressure also causes damage to the arteries and causes arterial disease. So that's a little different than being when we say people have a large heart in terms of their way that they exchange their energy and time and kindnesses to others. When your physical heart is enlarged, then you're at risk. But hypertension can be treated. And mild cases of hypertension can be treated through behavior modification like 
changing your diet and increasing your exercise. And more severe cases of hypertension, they might require medication. Now, these are just general statements about hypertension. And my intention is to raise awareness and to share information about ways to protect and to preserve your heart. But for individualized information and treatment plans, it's essential that you consult with your medical professional. Another important aspect in terms of heart health is about improving your cholesterol level. And high cholesterol levels contribute to about 420 420,000 heart attacks and strokes every year. Now, many people with elevated cholesterol levels can reach, they can reach the recommended level with lifestyle changes and, if necessary, with medication. But unfortunately, only a third of the people with high cholesterol lower their levels to the recommended targets. And in part, this is because many people just fail to take and make the lifestyle changes that have been found to be helpful and when necessary to take the right medication. People get caught in that idea that, oh, it'll go away. I'll just wait. It'll go away on its own. I'll feel better. But when you're talking about matters of the heart, that's not a good approach. So let's clear up the confusion. Sometimes there's confusion uh, between the different types of cholesterol. Good cholesterol is the HDL, high-density lipoprotein, and this helps to protect the heart by sweeping up cholesterol and clearing it from the arteries. And then there's the bad cholesterol, the LDL, low-density lipoprotein. And this is the kind that contributes to heart disease because it dumps cholesterol into the artery walls. And then there are triglycerides, an artery-clogging fat, which also contributes to high cholesterol levels. So get on the road to good prevention by getting your cholesterol levels checked and making the necessary and easy-to-follow steps to lower your cholesterol levels. And then it's important to control your blood sugar level for heart health. You know, even if you don't have diabetes... Even high normal levels can increase the risk of heart attack. And the number of people with type 2 diabetes has skyrocketed in recent decades. And so has the number of heart attacks amongst people who have diabetes. So equally alarming is the fact that an estimated 57 million Americans... So that's roughly a quarter of the people in the U.S. have pre-diabetes. Now, usually pre-diabetes, there's no symptoms associated with it. And most people don't even know that their blood sugar is a bit high. But unfortunately, because of a lack of awareness, most of these people 
also end up developing full-blown type 2 diabetes. And some of the people who don't, they still face an increased risk of heart attack or stroke, or even possibly cognitive decline, and even certain types of cancers. So adults who are at an elevated risk for diabetes should have their blood sugar levels checked regularly. And this would include people with a personal history of heart attack, stroke, or heart disease, as well as factors such as high blood pressure, obesity, and high LDL, that bad cholesterol. So here is a list of some of the early symptoms of a diabetes. And anybody that's experiencing these symptoms, I really encourage you to go and get checked out by your healthcare professional. So extreme thirst or extreme hunger, frequent urination, sores or bruises that really heal very slowly, dry, itchy skin, unexplained weight loss, blurry vision that changes from day to day, unusual tiredness or drowsiness, tingling or numbing in the hands or the feet, and frequent or recurring skin, gum, bladder, or vaginal yeast infections. So these are all the early symptoms of diabetes. Controlling your weight is so vital to having a healthy heart and a heart that will be strong and vibrant even in your golden years. Recent studies show that a third of adults in the U.S. are obese and another third are overweight, and that the number of teenagers with weight problems is on the rise. So it's not surprising then that the number of people with high blood pressure and type 2 diabetes has also increased, because excess weight, especially the weight that we carry in excess around the gut, contributes to both of these conditions. And that extra weight around the middle is the major reason that so many people die of heart attack and strokes. The obesity epidemic in America has slowed the progress against heart disease. And, you know, losing weight and keeping it off isn't as hard as you may think. You need the resolve. The resolve, the willingness to be proactive and take action on behalf of your own health. You know, it's good practice to have your doctor have you stand on the scale every scale every time you go and visit. And, you know, occasionally check your own body mass index to measure. It's a measurement of the body fat based on your height and your weight. And a body mass index higher than 25 puts you in the overweight range and if it's higher than 30 then that is in the obese range which is very detrimental to your health. Another simple way that you could uh, check for this measurement 
would be to measure your waist. You know, belly fat's more metabolically active than the fat that's stored, you know, in those other places like your hips and your thighs. And increases, this increases the risk of heart disease and certain cancers. So generally speaking, in women, a waist of 35 inches or greater is cause for concern. And in men, if it's 40 inches or more, that is cause for concern. It's simple to measure. Just take the measuring tape around your bare abdomen at about the level of your belly button and stand straight. Don't suck in your gut. Relax and and just measure after exhaling. You know, it's a good idea to regularly weigh yourself at home so that you can keep motivated to maintain a healthy weight, to maintain a healthy weight for your heart and your overall well-being. You know, after many years myself of being overweight, I've recently shed the extra pounds and have returned to the ideal weight for my body type, age, height, and gender. And in my situation, you know, I took preventative measures and made the necessary lifestyle lifestyle changes for my health before I developed any long-term health conditions. So any risks that I was really walking a fine line with have been reduced because of bringing my body back into the normal range. So I encourage everybody, if that's an issue for you, find your way, do whatever it is you can to bring yourself back to a normal range for your heart health and for your general well-being. And, you know, here's some suggestions, just general comments, suggestions about heart-healthy eating, a heart-healthy diet. They're just suggestions that you can fall back on. Because consuming the right foods can protect, protect your heart in so many ways. It lowers the bad cholesterol and blood pressure, and it limits the inflammation of the arteries. And it wards off diabetes. And of course, when you lose weight, you feel better. You look better. And you feel more aligned with the truth of who you are. And here are some strategies that have been proven to work. So eating a wide variety of fruits and vegetables with a variety of colors is one way to protect the heart since they contain a multitude of potentially helpful nutrients beyond just the familiar vitamins and minerals that we tend to focus on more often. You want to choose choose healthy fats. So you would uh, substitute the unsaturated fats like those that are found in canola, Swap the unsaturated fats. You want to focus on the good fats. Olive oil, soybean oil. And for saturated fats such as those in butter, avoid the trans fats, particularly the hydrogenated 
hydrogenated. Oh, sometimes you just can't get your mouth around a word. <laughs> the oils that are hidden in the margarines and many fast foods and packaged foods. These trans fats raise your LDL and lower your HDL, and they inflame the arteries. Cutting back on salt is crucial, crucial for a heart-healthy diet. You want to aim for less than 2,300 mg's of sodium a day, which is really equivalent to about the amount in a teaspoon of salt. And if you already have high blood pressure, then you want to try to cut back to maybe 1,500 mg's. You know, focus especially on preparing. You want to really be mindful. All the prepared, all the packaged foods, you know, the popular takeout foods and frequently dining out. Be mindful of all of this because that's where most of the salt in your diet may be hidden. You're not even aware of how much salt you're accumulating and you're ingesting every day when you tend to eat more packaged foods or the popular takeout foods or eat out often. And be really aware because even the packaged foods, the ones that say reduced salt, Often those foods still have twice as much sodium as should be for a heart-healthy diet. Twice as much, even though they say they're reduced. I guess uh, it could give an example maybe of uh, some of the the Campbell's, the canned soups that uh, a lot of the canned soups are like 46% sodium. And... Um, a heart doctor would tell you that really you would want to focus more on 6 to 10% to not go over 10% sodium. So even when the sodium is reduced and these um, products say sodium reduced, I haven't seen a can of soup that has less than 20% sodium in it on a shelf in the regular grocery store. So be mindful of that. Look at the packaging. Look at the labels. Look at the labels so that you can have a healthy heart. And you want to get plenty of fiber in your diet because the fiber can lower that bad cholesterol, the LDL, and it does this by absorbing the saturated fats in the gut. Now, it may also help to control the inflammation. And it can help you feel full. So all of these things can help with your weight loss efforts as well. And good sources of fiber include fruits, legumes, nuts, whole grains, and vegetables. And then the fiber, especially the fiber in barley, beans, and oats, is reported to have particularly a very good effect. So get plenty of fiber. 
and then drinking moderately, if at all. This drinking too much alcohol can elevate your blood pressure and lead to stroke or heart failure. But it can also contribute to many other problems for your heart and for your other organs. And then don't overeat. The rate of heart attack increases after big meals. And digesting lots of food at once may inflame your arteries. I've heard tell there's, you know, there's so much information. There's so much information available to us in this day and age to support us and help us to be healthy. Even though the food companies produce foods that are not healthy, there are ways that we can be proactive and take responsibility for what it is that we eat and find ways to ensure that we're eating a healthy diet. And uh, dissuade uh, our children from getting hooked on those flashy commercials that tell kids that all these foods and packages with dyes and colors and high salt and high sugar and high additives that they should be wanting to eat them. Because I know it can be a struggle for some families to get their kids on board to eating a healthy diet because of all the propaganda around these other types of foods. But it's the same with all things. You know, as parental units, we're the guiding force in a young people's lives. So uh, a great way always, as we all know, is to lead by example and to um, make your home a healthy home for lifestyle and the way that you feed your children and feed yourself. It's so critical. The numbers of uh, statistics on diabetes and obesity and all these other uh, problems that are related to our health that come from our lifestyle. So here's some just tips to help you control the amount and the kind of fat, the saturated fatty acids and the dietary cholesterol that you eat. You know, it's suggested to, to eat no more than six ounces of cooked or leaned meat or fish or skinless poultry per day. Or lean protein from some other source like tofu or other um, choices for vegetarians or, or vegans. And try to make dishes that feature pastas or rice or beans and or vegetables. Or create low meat dishes by mixing foods with small amounts of the lean meats or poultry or fish. And then approximately five to eight teaspoon servings of fats and oils per day may be used whether you're cooking or you're baking or in salad dressing or salad spreads. Now, if you're particularly looking to lose an extreme amount of weight, that is certainly uh, more than what you would need to be consuming for that. But just as a general comment for a healthy diet to maintain your weight. And if you use cooking methods that require a little bit or no fat, like boiling, broiling, baking, roasting, poaching, steaming, saute, stir-fry, then that would be a much healthier approach. You could trim the fat off of things before you cook them, drain the fat after browning, 
And if you chill your soups and stews after cooking them, then you can remove that hardened fat layer that accumulates at the top. Suggested the three to four egg yolks per week, including whatever it is that you might be eating in uh, things that you cook or baking or if you are eating store-bought products. And then choosing skim milk or 1% fat milk and non-fat or low-fat yogurt and cheeses can also help you to maintain a much better balance in terms of fat and saturated fatty acids and dietary cholesterol. And here's a surprising little thing. Six really on-the-go snacks that can surprisingly help your heart. And the, there's more good news about these is that they're foods that are common items that you likely have in your refrigerator, in your pantry, like popcorn, obviously low sodium, low butter, uh, dark chocolate in moderate, moderate amounts, apples, nuts, also moderate amounts, yogurt, and raisins. And it's interesting to note that both yogurt and raisins can also increase your gum health. And more and more uh, doctors and dentists are coming to understand the correlation between gum health and heart health. There is a correlation. So both yogurt and raisins are good for that. And then another important, important area is exercise, being active moving your body. You know, and if you already have an exercise plan, maybe you just want to tweak what you're doing already, there's some tips about different kinds of physical exercise and how they do affect the heart health. So bear in mind that people that are already exercising regularly are already participating in health for their heart and prevention. And you know what category you fall in. You don't need to necessarily broadcast it because you know inside of yourself and we don't get away from things like that. We are always know where we are on the scale of taking care of ourselves, even though others may not know. Self-care can be somewhat of a private, personal matter. So I really encourage you to realize, too, that it's the people that are living a more sedentary lifestyle that are really at a particularly higher risk for developing not only heart problems, but other heart-related issues and health-related issues. You know, a successful exercise program for your heart involves frequent physical activity that is rhythmic, repetitive, challenges the circulatory system, and uses your large muscles. So the exercise program needs to be significant, it needs to be such that it can increase, significantly increase the blood flow to the muscles for an extended period of time, which is the aspect of exercise that promotes cardiovascular fitness. These exercises are called isotonic dynamic or aerobic. And if you want to have a healthy heart, then you need to do some kind of aerobic exercise because that's what really gets the blood pumping. And as the heart beats faster, the blood circulates more quickly, 
which delivers extra oxygen to the muscles. And this is what builds the strength or the cardiovascular fitness. So some of the recommended aerobic activities are a lot of fun, like walking, hiking, jogging, cycling, swimming, skipping, skating, and rollerblading. It's really good to be aware that although some forms of exercise like weightlifting can build muscle strength, this type of exercise doesn't build your cardiovascular fitness. So if you're not convinced about the need to develop an exercise program for your life, or if you have chronic pain or some other reason that makes exercising difficult, then I encourage you to minimally, minimally find ways to incorporate some of these tips into your everyday routine. Or at least let this prompt you to come up with your own suggestions for being more active on a daily basis. You know, only you know what being more active might be for you, as activity level can vary so much from person to person. So here's just some suggestions that you can incorporate in. So take the stairs instead of an elevator or an escalator. Even if you start with just one flight until you're ready for two, or even if you don't do it all the time. You know, park your car at the far end of the parking lot and take the short walk to and from your destination. If you ride the bus or the subway, get off a stop before your destination and walk the rest of the way. If you can, spend a few minutes at your lunch break taking a walk. Taking a walk around because it's good for your heart and it will also help you to stay alert after lunch. You can think of housework as an opportunity to exercise. You know, vacuuming briskly can be a real workout. Mowing the lawn or pulling weeds and raking leaves can be seen as a chance to exercise as well. And a brisk walk with the dog is good for both of your hearts. You could try jogging on the spot. Try it. Jog on the spot for 10 or 15 minutes while you're watching TV. Or the good old-fashioned jumping jacks can also help to work wonders for you and help your heart health, even if you start slowly and then work your way up. And then the good old-fashioned after-dinner walk. You know, it's an easy way to incorporate more physical activity into your daily life. And then quitting smoking. You know, the number of people who smoke has declined over the past 40 years, but 24% of adults still smoke, and 20% of teenagers are likely to start. And smoking increases the risk of blood clots, it elevates your blood pressure, and damages your lungs. And then that makes it even harder to exercise. You know, as a result, smokers are two to four times more likely to develop heart disease, and as many as 30% of all coronary heart disease deaths in the U.S. each year stem from cigarette smoking. 30%. So even exposure to secondhand smoke can damage blood vessels and potentially increase the risk of a heart attack. But quitting smoking drops your heart 
disease risk dramatically. And the longer you quit, the lower that risk is likely to become. You know, some 50% of all Americans who have ne- who ever smoked and managed to quit permanently, 50%, that's wonderful, halfway there. So, you know, sometimes people may need counseling or medication or both to overcome the smoking habit. And the good news is that the risks drop dramatically soon after you stop smoking. Sleep apnea is also another issue for heart health. So if you snore or sleep with somebody who does, you may want to find out if you have sleep apnea because the condition can trigger high blood pressure and possibly type 2 diabetes, both of which increase your risk of heart disease. And as many as 1 in 4 men and 1 in 10 women have the condition, yet less than 15% of those people have been diagnosed So recognize the warning signs. In obstructive sleep apnea, the muscles and the tissues in the lower throat collapse, and that blocks the flow of air to the lungs. The sleeper may stop breathing for 10 seconds or longer, and oxygen levels in the blood drop, which triggers an alarm in the brain, and that stirs the sleeper to resume breathing. And this cycle can repeat many times in an hour. And when breathing stops, the nervous system triggers a spike in blood pressure. So then the combination of the lost sleep and the repeated bouts of oxygen deprivation can inflame the coronary arteries. And that inflammation plus blood pressure spikes can cause heart attacks and strokes by damaging your vessels. So although overweight men face the highest risk, women and also normal weight people can also develop sleep apnea. So every snorer should be alert to these signs. You know, you can learn from a spouse or a partner or a roommate whether or not when you're sleeping you struggle to breathe and if maybe your breathing stops sometimes. If you wake up tired even after a full eight hours of sleep, if you suffer from headaches in the morning, or if you struggle to stay awake at work, or behind the wheel, or while you're relaxing, and also if you find it difficult to concentrate. These are all symptoms. If you have any of these symptoms, then talk to your doctor. If you have just mild sleep apnea, just shedding excess pounds could could really help that. And then reducing chronic inflammation helps your heart as well. You know, inflammation, it's an immune system response that produces heat and swelling and redness. And it contributes to heart disease and can potentially damage the artery linings and speeding up the growth of the clogging of your arteries, clots forming plaque deposits. And chronic inflammation usually produces few obvious signs, but a blood test for a substance called C-reactive protein, CRP, can help to detect it. And then managing stress, really. Curbing negative emotions may offer the same benefits as a heart-healthy diet and regular exercise because it blocks the release of certain hormones that can harm the heart. And negative emotions such as stress or anger 
trigger the release of hormones that can threaten your heart. Research suggests that people who experience those kinds of trouble have more heart attacks than calmer, more cheerful types. And people in rocky relationships, for example, are more prone to heart disease. And those with stressful jobs are more likely to have high blood pressure. And if they return to work too soon after a heart attack, it would be common to have a second one. So curbing negative emotions may offer some of the same benefits as a heart-healthy diet and regular exercise. And here are just seven warning signs that your stress levels may be too high. Unexplained physical symptoms such as fatigue, headaches, muscle tension, teeth grinding, and a change in your sex drive. Anger, depression, irritability, or nervousness that is more than what the circumstances really warrant. Arguing more with your family and friends. Problems at work. Laying awake at night worrying. Eating more, especially unhealthy foods or skipping meals. And increased drinking or smoking. So you could just try these simple steps. Or develop your own list of coping strategies. So obviously exercise, which lowers the levels of stress hormone and inhibits smaller increases in blood pressure under duress, and it also helps to ease depression. Yoga and Tai Chi. These gentle exercises can lower the blood pressure and the heart rate. And any kind of relaxation technique that can include meditation, massage, even listening to relaxation music. Whatever you choose, find the time each day to unwind. And if after trying those measures you find that your stress level does not decrease, then you might be wise to just seek some counseling. You know, along with the stresses of daily life that we can balance through healthy lifestyle, it's equally important to be true to your heart, to find the courage to follow what it is that you need for yourself. Especially, especially when what you need for yourself may go against what it is that your family and your friends think is best for you. Now, it's important that we take the time to heal from heartache and we take the time to focus on the things in life, focus on the things that bring you joy. Everyone knows within themselves what is it that makes your heart sing It could be singing. It could be something else. But really, make it your business to participate in things that bring you that beautiful feeling inside, that warm-hearted feeling. It will help your heart and your mind and your body in ways that are countless and that will ensure that you're healthy into your golden years. And just as a closing off of the show today here on Valentine's Day, I want to just share a little poem by Rumi, Essential Rumi. It was translated by Coleman Barks. And it says, The minute I heard my first love story, I started looking for you, not knowing how blind that was. Lovers don't finally meet somewhere. They're in each other all along.
Isn't that beautiful? So I really appreciate you tuning in today and listening to Come Back to Your Senses Radio so that you can pick up these tips to help increase your heart health. So important. And I am your ever grateful host, Leah Brenda Smith. And until next time, I encourage you to relax and enjoy life. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.